Welcome back to another episode of the Interleague Podcast, episode 87, and I'm not going to lie, we're just here so we don't get fined. For me, blah week in baseball. You'll find out why soon. For Spags, he could have enjoyed himself more than I did at least. You're here to find that out. Welcome back to the show where we're here to host you, Spags. How's it going? going um yeah i don't know it it was i i'm i'm happy with my week of baseball um but it could have been could have been better for sure um took a little ass whooping and fantasy had yankee rain outs on friday and saturday um on top of not that, only yankee like, rainouts like you had your rainouts like also affected your fantasy yeah, not only affected did. your team watching it affected your fantasy hardcore so much so that travis the day after you were like hey travis have you checked out scores today that day and the next day he was like is spags in here we were like no and he's like oh he's like i was just wondering he's like i guess he saw all the rainouts that he got today as well he's like it might be even worse today I'm like oh shit yeah, it it was pretty rough. Um, just quite a bit of games, a couple starts that got shifted around. Um, but it's like I I think that part of it too was that um like <clears throat> so it, it just kind of threw off the rhythm. Like I felt like the Yankees were playing really good baseball. Um, they obviously they you know as we'll get into they dropped the final game against Toronto. But it's just really rare that you have three days off. And not that weather didn't call for it. Um, I didn't look to see what the weather was actually doing in New York. Um, after we, you know, like we talked about that game, I think it was between the Cubs and the White Sox, that <laughs> they continue to play in that. It seems really weird that they yeah. make the decision. We'll call any game. Yeah. <laughs> so it... <laughs> So I said, so for me, it was just more of uh, I, I felt like the Yankees were in a good spot. Having three days off, I think, cooled them a little bit. Um, I think that showed in their offensive output, you know, over, you know, the game, the game today and the doubleheader yesterday. Um, but the outcomes are there uh, and really like the offense started to cool, at, you know, in Toronto. So I don't know that I can say, oh, the the rain out took the wind out of their sails. Um, so it was, it was just like, there. it wasn't my typical, like, weekend of baseball. Um, I will say, at least, like, like Friday all around just kind of sucked. Because, um, you know, obviously I've made it no secret. Like, I'm not the biggest Cardinals fan. Um, but sure, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll enjoy watching them play. We talk about it a lot, so... There's at least another interest there. But even that game was just hard to watch. Like, it wasn't close. The Cardinals just kind of took it to them. Um, so as a Cardinals fan, I imagine it was a lot of fun to watch. They looked really good, um, building on another strong win, you know, as we'll, we'll get into. But then, like, we had the Blues game Friday. So I was like, oh, no baseball, but at least they have hockey. And they shit the bed. So it just set, like, a really bad tone for mm-hmm. set, for, for the weekend. And then I dealt with the Yankee rain out on Saturday. So I was like, well, I don't get to watch them again. Um, at least Cardinals game was very entertaining uh, back and forth close game. That's usually just what I ask for. Uh, but then I was, 
you know, I, I got, uh, <clears throat> oh, and that, so what, Saturday I had my tournament race for, uh, Link to the Past Randomizer, got my ass kicked in that, so, like, that just added to the weekend being pretty meh, um, but then Sunday I had, like, a double helping of Yankees baseball, um, the Cardinals game was good, even though the Cardinals came out on the, the losing end of that one, but it at least it was a close game, back and forth, um, and the Blues won. So Sunday was great, but Friday and Saturday were, were pretty meh, and at least like Sunday I just got to enjoy, because I was already down by like 100 in fantasy, so Sunday didn't matter, I didn't have to worry about fantasy sports, I didn't have to worry about fantasy baseball at all, I just got to enjoy my team you know my team's play and they all did really well so i guess it ended on an up note um but we'll but we'll see yeah so i i would agree all in all it was very meh um you know for for the week as a whole but ended on a on a good note yeah i also feel like i didn't uh watch like even as much Cardinals this week, like nights that I normally maybe watch Cardinals, I might have been paying attention to the Blues game. Uh, but weekend games were hard for me to watch just this week in general, um, and so I didn't feel like we had a good week, bad week. I mean, we just had the week I mean, we thought we were gonna have. So it just it's kind of how it shook out. I didn't think I was too far off basis on that. I forgot though. Um, I was presently surprised because I thought that we might have. I forgot we played four against San Francisco. I was like, man, did we only win one of those games? But split series two, too. So not too bad there, but I checked out in fantasy super early. I think like third yeah. Wednesday, maybe Mickey like doubled his points. Like I was like the first two days I was like in there third day. He was like a little bit ahead of me fourth day, doubled his points. And I was like, yeah, that was just way too fast for me. Just out of it. Yeah, My team I, has not even come close to doing anywhere near that ever yet, so right. that's not going to happen. Yeah, I think both of us, I want to say, I think Mickey finished like the 220s, 230s, and yeah. you were around like 120, 130, and I think Travis finished like two, like low 290s, and I put up 180 points, which is a, a solid week. Like I won't be mad about yeah. my team's performance. It was just mm-hmm. one of those weeks I think he had seven or eight starts to my five to begin the week. Um, and then I think I, I don't know if I lost starts altogether. Maybe it was that I had, I think Woodruff was supposed to be double started. And then because of rainouts between, I think it was Milwaukee and someone, I forget, maybe, maybe Milwaukee and Cleveland, something like that. I, I don't remember. But because of those rainouts, like Woodruff became single started and then he had to start today. And I was like, cool, all right, that'll be beneficial because he's double started this next week. Um, and then he shit the bed today against the crappy Pirates. So, and it's funny because, like, it just shows that this is the way things work. Because one of the things that I had, like, made note of as I was looking through baseball and just, like, what's kind of going on in the world, like, a temperature check. Um, for the relevancy of like teams that our teams are competing with the Brewers, like I was going to call to attention, like how well they'd been playing. And then of course now here they lose to the pirates who magically are in third place in the NL central. 
mainly because the Reds and the Cubs suck something fierce. And actually, it, it wasn't – sorry, it wasn't the Pirates. The Pirates beat the Dodgers today. It was the Reds that whooped up on Brandon Woodruff. So a team that had five wins on the year coming into today put up ten runs. They had the five Brewers. wins coming into today? I thought yeah. they were still three or four. No, so I think they were like five and 23 to start today. Hey, hey um, ever, anytime you win, it could start a winning streak. You know? It could. They rattle off ten right now. They could. We were talking about how bad Arizona was, and Arizona would just be beating people. It was just like, so. yeah, it it is there. There's a couple surprises in the standings for sure. Um, like, uh, for example, Boston being ten and nineteen, I think, is a pretty big shocker. It's um, kind of dope. Yeah, I'm not mad about it, but yeah, <laughs> I saw that the other day. I'm like, oh man, I knew they weren't doing great, but like, I didn't know they were doing like, yeah, worse than the division bad. Yeah, that it's, you know, the first week of May, basically, and the Yankees are ten and a half games up on them. I'll take it. Um, I find some weird way to scrap their way back into a wild card position. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised at the level of discrepancy between the top and bottom of the AL Central. So the Twins being 18-11, I think, surprises me in general because of the moves they made. Um, you know, giving up Donaldson, giving up IKF. Uh, they gave up Barrios last year. Like, they just don't have a lot of pieces there. I think they're still kind of rebuilding. And so I think we both sort of expected the White Sox to run away with it. Now, granted, <laughs> yeah. the White Sox played, like, absolute crap for a stretch. And their um, pitching has been, like, decimated. Yeah. So, sure. Well, and it's been their, their offense. Like, they still only have, like, 89 runs scored on the year. Now, granted, it's not the lowest. Like, there's two teams in their division that have less runs scored. Um, but they just aren't, they just weren't winning games, but now they've rattled off like six in a row and it's kind of a a tale of two cities because the, um, the Yankees have a bunch of games against them coming up. Um, it's like they, the Yankees play against Toronto the next two days and then they have a four game series over this weekend and then a three game series next weekend against the White Sox. Um, so it's like they play four against the White Sox, four against the Orioles, three against the White Sox, three against the Orioles. That's the, the Yankees schedule for the rest of like, for like the next two weeks after they play Toronto. And so it's like, oh, well, great. Like they get seven games against the White Sox, like as they're turning it on, like as they're starting to figure it out and they're winning games. And then the Cardinals, like, yep, they they did what they needed to. They they handled business um, against Kansas City, and then they split against a good San Francisco team um, on the road. But then when I looked at it, like, San Francisco was playing, like, or, or, like, in the midst of, like, their worst stretch of baseball in the last two years. So it's like they've getting beat up on by everybody. They're, like, 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Um and in those 10 games, they're batting like under 200 as a team with runners in scoring position. It's like they just aren't driving in runs whatsoever. Um, and they still had a game against the Cardinals that they scored 13 runs. So it's just like, all right, so the Cardinals got are getting the Giants at the right time when they're kind of playing their worst baseball. And then the Yankees get the White Sox as they're turning it around. I'm like, come on, man. Like, just stop. <laughs> like, let us get let us get the the teams that are <laughs> that are playing like shit right now. Let's get those guys. 
Um, but yeah, and then the Angels being, you know, 19 and 11. I Man, I would have bet money that they were never going to be eight games above 500 at some point this year. I don't know when the last time that happened was. Um, but then it's... Yeah, all the pieces just finally starting to come together. Yeah, they're actually, like, you know, yeah. winning um, games. And then when you get into the the NL, I think it's a little more as expected um, with some oddities. <clears throat> I didn't expect four teams in the NL East to be below 500. Um, I, we knew the Mets were going to be good, and they're doing all this without DeGrom still. So if he ever comes back healthy, Jesus. Um, like that rotation is just going to be nasty. Yeah. Um, it's already really good. Um, Dino Central, I think, is pretty much exactly as expected. Um, it, with maybe some... worse, because maybe the top teams are, you know, not even as good as you thought they could be. Well, so you know? I so so with Milwaukee, they're they're nineteen eleven, but they've now lost three games in a row. So I think that they were like. I think finishing up the weekend, I think they were like 15 and five in their last 10 games and they had lost two in a row. So they, they went like on a stretch, like 15 and three over eight game, over 18 games. So they were playing really, really good baseball, but now now they lost again to Cincinnati. Um, So, I mean, at one point they were 19 and eight, like that's super impressive record. Uh, Cardinals are a little behind where we think they should be. But, I mean, they're still a respectable 16 and 12. Like, nothing wrong with that. They're not out of it by any means. They're only two games back at this point. Um, it's not the end of the world. And then you have teams that are... This is a doomsdayer. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they're playing worse than 16 and 12. But, I mean, the, to be fair, a lot of teams they beat. I mean, we've talked about it. Are, right. Are not, are not necessarily teams. the greatest teams. So, but, It's like again, good outcomes. Right. Hard to watch to get there. You know? Exactly. It... They don't, they don't win very convincingly that often, but even when they do, it's usually partnered up with like some pretty ugly losses. Like, yes, they, they beat up on Kansas city. Um, and then, cause what well, I think we recorded Tuesday of last week and it was after the Royals won like nine to one or whatever it was like they just beat up on the, on the Cardinals. And then they scored 10 runs the next game against the Royals. They scored seven runs the game after that against the Giants. They managed to win a close game. And then they scored seven runs the third game against the Giants. Just the pitching was terrible. And they got outscored. Um, so it just it hasn't been pretty. But they're getting results, I guess. Um. But yeah, it's like the the bottom three teams in the NL Central, they're twelve and sixteen, nine and eighteen, six and twenty-three. Um, and I and I think that those records all make sense to us, but I think our expectations probably would have been that it was like the Reds or like the Cubs, then the Reds, then the Pirates, and Pittsburgh's actually the team in the middle. Like so third place in the NL Central are the Pirates. And I think that that just goes to show like how bad the NL Central actually is. It's not great. Yeah, like the 
like none none of the teams in the NL Central have a winning record against teams that are above 500. Um, Milwaukee is the closest at two and three, and well, I guess I guess St. Louis is is right there as well at seven and eight. But Pittsburgh's three and ten against teams that are above 500. The Cubs are six and twelve against teams that are above 500, and Cincinnati's a whopping two and 23 against teams that are above 500. So I, so I guess it's worth mentioning that they've played 29 games and only seven of them have been against teams with losing records. So that could be another reason why Cincinnati is off to such a rough start is it seems like they had one of the hardest schedules to start the year. Um, or it's that it's so early that teams that played the Reds happened to be above 500 because they got layup wins against the shitty ass Reds. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on it and see like where it shakes out. Um, but I think they've won two in a row now, which you know they only had four wins going into this. And I think who did they beat? I know they beat the Brewers today, and they beat the Pirates yesterday. So not yeah, it might be a fair fancy. point about the Reds, but. Uh... Right, so it's kind of six of one, half dozen of another. And then the NL West, you have what you expected, the Dodgers out in front, and then San Diego shortly behind them. But The Dodgers, I, like, winning convincingly, too. Like, yeah, they're not yeah, just, yeah. They're, they're, they're run like differential. Yeah, their run differential is 70 right now. Yeah. Like, they're plus 70. Yeah. Um, that's insane. Like, it's almost double the next closest team to them in the NL. Um, they're just beating up on people, and they lost today to the Pirates. Go figure. Hey, hey, everyone needs everyone needs <laughs> yeah. a day off, you know. Yeah. So it just just crazy. Um, but then, so even still, like you have, um, Colorado and San Francisco are both sixteen and twelve, and San Francisco's really just been bit by not beating the teams that they probably should. Like they're nine and eight against teams that are above 500. So that puts them at what, like seven and four against teams that are below 500. Um, if you're going to compete with the Dodgers for the division, you're going to have to win at a way higher clip than that. Uh, Cause I yeah. doubt, I doubt the Dodgers play much lower than like 650 baseball all year. It just yeah, they don't, and, and they have like debt. I feel like they also have depth. Uh, a little bit of depth, but they're also not going to be afraid to like, you know, buy if they need to. Like, oh, we have yeah, an I, like we need to replace this superstar. They like, just they just cool, freed up forty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, true. That. Yeah, they got money to spend. <laughs> yeah, so. they just freed up. They're gravy, dude. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, I agree. They're not uh, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, like, it makes you wonder. Like, I wonder if like the Cardinals could just try to like deal Arenado to the Dodgers like hey man we're just gonna accept that you're gonna opt out and sign there let's just trade you and get like a plethora of prospects in return you know that'll spread up on 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 pitchers and outfielders Uh (laughs) because you can never have enough of those Dodgers be like hey we got a couple shortstops you guys want one Mo be like nah we got DeYoung yeah Yeah. unless you guys want DeYoung and be like nah we're good what do you not like about DeYoung like, oh, yeah. uh, no, he's a, he's a good player. He's a good player. You guys should just keep him. 
Yeah, and then the Diamondbacks are last in the NL West, and they're 15 and 14 right now. So all five of their teams are above 500. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected that. So I said, it's like just some, some intriguing lines through like the first 30 games or so uh, on the year. Hmm. But, you know, Yankees, best record in baseball right now. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, because the Dodgers lost today and the Yankees didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you're not out here losing the Pirates, so obviously you're the better team. No, we lost to the Rangers, who have a worse record than the Pirates. Yeah, well, let's get real. Joey Gallo threw that game soon. <laughs> the offense just disappeared, probably, man. He's probably banging trash cans. Probably. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it must be rough, dude, if, Aaron, if Rizzo's not going to hit three home runs a game, you know, and maybe your problem is that, you know, Chris isn't facing any of your guys. Could be. Could be the problem. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it – like I said, like, they they got the results. I mean, like, they took two out of three from Toronto. They took two out of three from Texas. And one of just, the Toronto – like, one of the best games was against, like, their best fucking pitcher. Yeah. So, it was – it was close when Manoa came out. I think Manoa took the loss – but the Yankees opened it up, but but if I'm being honest, the Yankees opened it up on a missed call that led to a rally. So there mm-hmm. was like a Marwin Gonzalez got into a little like hot box and was able to to scramble back to first, and they said that Guerrero missed the tag on him. And replays clearly showed that he didn't, but the Blue Jays had just used their challenge on like the play before the inning before, and they were wrong. So they didn't have a challenge to utilize. And so that led to like Marwin staying on base. There was one less out in the inning. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. A couple shoddy plays on defense and the Yankees score like seven runs that inning uh, to really open it up. But yeah, that was like the, the nine to one, but they're like, I said, like they just not really a lot of offense. I mean, like they, they won three to two in the first game. They lost two to one and the, like in the going for the sweep against Toronto and then, and the doubleheader yesterday against Texas, they won two to one and then lost four to two. And then today they won one to nothing. So they've scored like two runs or less. And four of their six games this last, like that were supposed to be played over these last two series. I just caught last week, even though one of them was today. But they went four and two. So it's like, all right, like, can we, can, like, is that really something to be upset about? Like, they're winning ball games. So if the offense just stayed red hot, like, they would just continue to be on this massive terror you know, record wise. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Well, I guess as long as they're not striking out, the problem with the Yankees, right? Are they, we think they're what 
they should be hitting home runs to win games a lot of the time. But I mean, their pitching's just been so good. So like when your pitching's that good, you're allowed to slump on offense. You know? Correct. And, and like you're gonna like it makes slumping on offense so much better, um, especially when slumping is still winning games. It's not scoring nine runs, you know, but it's getting the job right. Done. It is. It it very much makes it easier. Um, it is less aggravating when your offense disappears for a week, but you still have a winning record in that time frame. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas I feel like when we talk about with the Cardinals, it's like their offense shows up for a game and then it disappears for two. And then when it disappears, like they're pitching, it's not that it can't get it done. It just doesn't do enough. It suffers. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's just like poor timing in terms of getting W's. Um, you know, or like when the offense does show up, you know, it's like they had, um, you know, I think they scored three runs or more in all four games against San Francisco. And they split that series 2-2. You know, and they scored seven game or seven runs in a game that they lost. You know, and that's a, that's a tough loss to take, you know, for a team that has an offense that struggles, but their pitching typically keeps them in it. You know, I, I don't think it's very common that a team puts up 13 runs on the Cardinals. No. You know, and then they're in a stretch. Like, the, this is probably, like, the the most random way that we've ever covered all of these agenda items that we list out. Because we're kind of hitting on everything, just not yeah, in, like, any sort of flow. Back and forth. Back yeah. and forth. Um, but it's like one of the things I noted with the Cardinals. So, you know, and we, we've talked about it before. I brought it up before with April was a pretty light schedule in terms of scheduling, but may. So especially now at this point, I feel like they kind of have the opportunity to prove out what kind of team they're going to be for the rest of the year. And I get that that sounds weird. Um, if anything, they showed us last year, like winning 17 games in a row in September can kind of change the, the conviction of a season pretty quickly. So from, from now through June 5th. So, so starting tomorrow, um, they were off today. So in the month of May, they have 21 games remaining and 15 of those games are against teams with, a, with winning records through like going into today. What's Baltimore's current record? Uh, they are uh, twelve and seventeen. Oh, okay. Man, so I think no, they don't. So I so I, they play twenty one games, and I think it's Pittsburgh and Baltimore are the two teams. Yeah. So it's this series against Baltimore, and then not this coming weekend, but the weekend after that, uh, the twentieth, twenty first, twenty second. They're in Pittsburgh. So it's like, okay, like, we'll, we'll see where it's at. But the other, the other 15 games in May are against teams with winning records going into play today. But even furthermore, they're dealing with like, um, well, like Wayno currently out on COVID. So you're depending on how many trips to the rotation he misses 
it kind of changes your complexion for what your team's going to be in, who matches up where, like who fills that spot, so on and so forth. <clears throat> but their depth, I think, is really going to be challenged. So between now and June 5th, they have one off day, but they have a scheduled doubleheader the first weekend of June against the Cubs. So st- with starting tomorrow on that game, the Cardinals play 27 games in 27 days. And I, I think that for any team, that is very tough to do. That you're basically trying to avoid injury, trying to avoid, you know, COVID issues, trying to stay healthy and continue to perform. Um, and you're, it's it just, it's not easy for anybody to play that much. So they have one off day, but with the doubleheader, that's where it, it sinks up. Mm-hmm. You know who's guaranteed not going to get any off days in the next 27 days? Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung. <laughs> he he's going to be playing all 27 days. Yeah, so so at the at the end of the year, this 27 games and 27 days stretch could be just that, but I feel like this is an opportunity for the Cardinals to prove that they can hang with some of these teams. Um if they if it turns into a situation where like they only win the series against Baltimore and the series against Pittsburgh and they lose two out of three to everybody else, then I think that that pretty much settles it. Like you're, you're probably playing right around 500 at that point. Um, what that would be, let's see. Well, so they have a two game series with the blue Jays, a four game series with the Mets, a four game series with the Brewers. Um, and then five game series with the Cubs. So let's say they 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 only win series. So they're four games above five hundred. Be five six. Let's say they split the four game series and the two game series, and then they lose the other three series. So like they would still be three games above five hundred. So record wise, they'd look fine. But they would have, you know, just kind of held their own and got by. Like, ah, we're hit or miss, you know, uh, against these teams. Um, and I, I just feel like that that it just shows like this would write the story that they're they're a mediocre team. If they can win some of these series and they can come out of this, you know, maybe closer to 10 games above 500 when everything's said and done, then I, I think it proves that they're a team that like, if they can make it to the playoffs, you know, they could potentially win a series or two. Um, like they could beat some teams. I have no idea who is, who they're missing in the Mets series. Um, what? I mean, you don't really want to face any of them. Like, what's your worst case scenario with the Mets currently? Um, or your best case scenario, I mean. Um, uh, what, Taiwan Walker? Yeah, maybe. Um, so they were off today. They had the doubleheader yesterday. So the starter tomorrow is to be determined. Um. So whoever pitches the last game against Seattle would be the pitcher that 
the Cardinals miss. And I think... Oh, maybe Carlos Carrasco. And that is who the Cardinals beat up on the last time they played them. So the two doubleheaders, again, the two games on the doubleheader for the Phillies, it was Bassett and Scherzer that pitched. That's just a tough day at the plate for the Phillies. (laughs) You get a doubleheader, you get Chris Bassett and Max Scherzer. Um, So I guess it would be... One, two, three, Scherzer, Bassett. So I guess whoever starts tomorrow for the Mets, which right now it's still to be determined, um, is likely the pitcher that the Cardinals will miss in their rotation. Um, which we know it won't be Scherzer or Bassett because they both pitched yesterday. And then I can let you know um, Tyler McGill is slated to pitch on Wednesday. So you're seemingly going to, you're not going to miss him. Uh, He'll probably pitch like early in the series. Yeah, so it's probably Walker or Carrasco. I would say worst case scenario would be Carrasco being who you miss. Or really, worst case scenario would be that Jacob Degrom comes back, yeah. <laughs> and you end up getting. I was like, just thinking in my head, dude. What do you mean? What yeah. if Degrom comes back? Yeah, like that's just like first Scherzer start back. DeGrom. Bassett and McGill. <laughs> that's the as your four games against them. But again, like yeah. that's likely who like if you <laughs> face the Mets. Yeah, if you yeah. face the Mets in the playoffs in a best of seven, that's likely what you're gonna have to beat. So. Although, do you still think as that goes on, do you think Scherzer like continues to maybe pitch on shorter rest or whatever? Like, because I mean, what you only really need what three pitchers? Um, depending on how the off days work, it's possible. Um, really, it's dependent on like how quickly they win, I guess is the real answer. Um, if they have series go seven games, it will probably throw things off. But if they win, you know, three Oh, in the, in the division series, like in that best of five, then you can easily come back with those same three pitchers. And if you're, if you're at a point that you're up three Oh, you could bring back whoever started game one on three days rest but I think the likelihood of that happening is probably pretty low. Um, I would say it would be more dependent on like, if they're down like two, one, you might see them counter back, like throw Scherzer and DeGrom again in games four and five on short rest um, with the ability to go to someone like Chris Bassett on normal rest again and for game seven. So like they certainly could get away with it, but I don't. I don't know how much they're willing to push Degrom. Um, and then you know Scherzer's arm's got to fall off at some point, right? <laughs> Maybe. Definitely not against the Cardinals, though. So. <clears throat> I 
yeah, so I, I just think that it it's an opportunity for the Cardinals to kind of assert themselves, win a couple tough series. Like if they can take three out of four from Milwaukee, sweep the Blue Jays, you know, maybe, you know, split with the Mets on the road, something like that, and then win those other series. Um, I think it, like, it just goes a long way. Like I said, they have San Francisco coming into town over the weekend. You split on the road. If you can take two out of three at home, that's like exactly what you need to do. Um, I just like to see sweeping a bad team, you know? Yeah. Not that it's necessary, but like, I feel like winning three in a row, like, is a real good start to something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that they have any series sweeps yet. Mm-mm. Oh, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Yeah, the I guess the closest I'm thing so you haven't won three in a row yet. Yeah, so. So I guess the closest thing to it would be because they they had a chance to sweep Miami and lost. Had a chance to sweep Cincinnati and lost. Um. They took the first two from Pittsburgh and then they lost, which was supposed to be a four game series. They only played a one game series against Kansas city. That makeup game was last Monday and they technically won that game. And that was the other game in St. Louis. So you could view it as they swept that two game series. And then they split in Kansas city, which is like what you would want them to do. Uh, so you, you could view it that way. Um, or you could be like, okay, it was a four-game series that you took three out of four on. So it's it's a lot, but in, in three or four-game series, if you look at it from that perspective, they have not they have not swept. They have had opportunities to, um, and I think they've only had one opportunity to get swept, and they won that game against the Mets. So, with that being said, they, they haven't swept anyone, but they also haven't gotten swept at all. Yeah. <clears throat> but, so I, I would agree. Like, I think that uh, it is... Yeah, even if it's a bad team. I don't care if it's a bad team. I'm not asking for much. I yeah. Just, you know, I, 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 play good baseball they, for three days in a row. And, and I guess it just depends on, like, what when you say bad team, what... What it mean? doesn't even have to be a team <laughs> that has a winning record, you know. I'm saying it could be anyone, anyone that you're playing. I'd be comfortable with it, you know. I'm not gonna right. like nag it because it's like, oh, that was Baltimore, you know. I'm like, cool, that was Baltimore. That's what you should have done, and that's what you should do. Like when you see Cincinnati next time, like the fact that you didn't sweep Cincinnati and you were one of three games for, um, like a, like, you know, decently long time, and I think it was like a week later that they got their fourth win. Probably so many so long ago that I didn't even know they got their fourth in your fifth win. Um, well, it was the last two days. Or yeah. sorry, their last two so, days were their fifth and sixth wins. They're up to six yeah. wins now. Yeah. So like, you know, you've already had a team that you could have closed it out. And you should have closed it out. So just you know, just you know, it's not necessary, but I think it would be nice. And I think also the team would you know, you know, string in a couple of days together. You know, like all of a sudden you're like. You know, win in series more often than not. So, yeah, I I agree. Um, it's just slim pickings right now. Like, I would say the next time, like, I I don't know 
with the way Baltimore and Pittsburgh has been playing, it's hard to say they're bad teams. Like they're slightly below 500. Yeah. They're, they're, they're uh, playing they're, a good team. Yeah. They're clearly not the best teams in their division. And I, I don't know exactly, but I know Baltimore's played everyone in the AL East, at least one series. And that's a rough, and that's a rough schedule. So, so I don't know that I would say they're bad teams right now. Um, so, so if you exclude them from the bad team discussion, um, granted the pirates that are currently showing up the ballparks aren't necessarily the pirates that the Cardinals will see. Like it's very possible. The pirates have lost like 10 in a row between now and then. And this point is all null and void. Um, but the strength of the schedule, I think just changes. I think it will be very tough to sweep the Cubs because it's a five game series in Chicago. I think that'll yeah. be a very tough ask. And then that very, like the end of that road trip is Tampa Bay. Um, but then you get Cincinnati at home, then a f- four games in three days with Pittsburgh, an off day, and then you go to Boston. Um, then you have the Brewers, then the Cubs and the Marlins. So like June, I feel like that would really drive home like where they need to sweep somebody. Like if, if we get through the month of June, so I think we could excuse it one more month and for May. But if we got to like the end of June and the Cardinals still haven't swept the team, I I think then it would be like, all right, th- this just goes to show. Um, and I also think that like they really need to be at a point where they're 10 games plus above 500 at the end of June to really, in my opinion, be taken seriously as any sort of contention. If they're lower than that, then, you know, oh, get fucked. You're going to upset the Cardinals fan base who just believe that as long as you make it, you have a chance. Uh, no, I know. And I'm well aware that that's the mindset of <laughs> St. Louis. Like, well, all you got to do is make the playoffs. Like, once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. I get that. And Especially with I, this franchise. And I, I understand 2006 and 2011 were exactly that. Um, the Cardinals were not the best team in the in baseball that year they were not the best team in the playoffs they shouldn't have beat the teams that they that they played in some series but they did and that's all that matters um some people will say you know it was the the big david freeze triple i call it the big nelson cruz air but you know whatever um i think lance berkman was a bigger hero in that series that's the hill i will die on you're on a hill that's for sure so yeah so so i i understand that you just need to get there um the 2019 nationals are kind of the same way um look at like the 03 marlins or you know the the 98 mar or 97 marlins kind of the same way you know but for for all of the examples that you have of that you have the you know the 2020 Dodgers the you know the 2018 Astros or 2017 Astros like the you know like you just have or yeah 2017 the 2018 Red Sox granted those two teams were you know technically cheating but hey they they were they were two of the better teams in the league in those given years, and they showed it. Um, 
know, it's just it's it's far and few between that you have like, oh, this team went on this miracle run, and I get it happens and it can happen again. It just it isn't. I I think you see miracle runs that fall short more often than you see them win a championship. Like, you know, look like North Carolina this year in NCAA basketball. Like a number eight seed, number nine seed that made it to the finals and just kind of took a whooping. Like I, I like, and I think that that was even a situation where, uh, it was, uh, I think like the largest deficit, um, ever to like come back. So like it, it seemed real close. Like I think, yeah, I just brought up so Kansas, Kansas won by three, but I think they were down by like 17 at one point in the like early in the second half. So it it was three on the scoreboard, but Kansas like outscored them by like 20 and like the final 15 minutes of that game. So it didn't feel close at all when everything was said and done. Um, and I, and I feel like that that's like more often what that how that fairy tale run comes to an end. Like occasionally the team gets it done that Cinderella story, but it's far and few between. And I I don't think that that's realistically what you should hold on to. Um, but I get that that's just like the perpetual state of belief for St. Louis baseball. Is that coming from a Yankees fan? When's the last time they won a championship? Two thousand nine. <laughs> uh, the old classic Cardinals argument. Yeah, what have you done for me lately? <clears throat> no, and I, I'll be the first to admit. Not only have they not won since 2009, they haven't played in a World Series since 2009. Um, so I, that I think that that's even more upsetting that they, they haven't even had a shot at one. Um, but I would also argue that probably outside of 2017 the Yankees really haven't been the best team in the AL in my opinion um and really like this year I I think that they are exceeding expectations early on in my opinion because the pitching staff has been godlike at times um for them to be 20 and 8 and have the best record in baseball like they look really good they look like they're going to be very tough to beat but I like the offense is just what scares me. Like it's guys just have, have taken a bit to get going and they sometimes slump and their hitters are the type of guys that when they're slumping, the strikeouts pile up, you know, judge Gallo Hicks, Stanton Torres, like they're Donaldson. Like when they're, when they're not swinging the bat, well, it's not that they're not, getting hits it's that they're not putting the ball in play and when you're facing great pitcher after great pitcher night after night for the run for a world series trying to pick up you know what used to be 11 wins i don't know how many wins it'll be now with this new setup i haven't done the math yet but when you're trying to get those you know last 11 wins 12 13 wins of the season it is very tough to do and you really can't have your offense. Like I, I feel like it is very rare 
for a pitching staff to just carry a team to a championship that it is more common that an offense will carry a team to a championship. Um, case in point, the Atlanta Braves, when they were in their prime with their 14 straight division titles and their one World Series championship, their rotation over those 14 years was disgusting year in and year out, and they have one World Series championship to show for it. Because pitching will get you there, but very rarely does it win you a championship. Because as the saying goes in baseball, like, Momentum's only as good as your next day's starting pitcher. Now, get a rotation like Scherzer, <laughs> McGill, DeGrom. Bassett. Yeah. The, yeah, Bassett. Yeah, Cohen's trying. He's trying. And don't get me wrong, like, it's needed. Like, you can't just have shit bum after shit bum thrown out there. Um, I, when the nationals won, it was on the back of like Strasburg, Scherzer and Corbin, um, having strong performances. Uh, when the Astros won their championship, it was Verlander and Greinke. Yeah. They had good pitching, but you know, obviously so, they were cheap. <laughs> you know, right. <clears throat> but, you know, even like the Cardinals teams, it's not that they didn't have pitching, you know, like they weren't, they weren't the most impressive like it wasn't like the scariest rotation, but they got good, you know, pitching performances. Um, but it still, it took like their offense to wake up. Like when you think of like, okay, um, 2019, when they got swept in the NLCS by the nationals, all anyone talks about, like I wouldn't even be able to tell you what the pitching lines look like, but I can tell you that their offense disappeared for four games. Like, I don't think that the the Nationals blew out the Cardinals in any one of those games. But I know they didn't. They never felt close because they averaged, like, three hits a game. Yeah. So, and I guess the argument could be, well, good pitching shuts down hitting on occasion. But I, I think that that's the rarity. I think over the course of 162 games, most teams are going to be, like, in that three-and-a-half to five-and-a-half runs per game. Like, they're all going to kind of be right in that same area. It's just how many wins you can get out of it. Oh, man. They've covered quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Because we went over acceptables. Um, I guess we didn't, we didn't actually call them out. Um, I know we talked about like what we deemed acceptable, um, on the, on the year or in, in each series. And I think, honestly, I think we had it listed that it would have been acceptable for the Yankees to lose the series in Toronto, like with our our criteria, you know, when you're playing a good team on the road, you just want to avoid getting swept in a three game series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so the, on the year records, so actual records, Cardinals are 16 and 12. If they were following our acceptable criteria and performing to what we find to be acceptable when loss wise, they would be 18 and 10. So not far off at all. Um, and then, on the Yankee side, they're 20 and eight and acceptable would be 
17 and 11. So they're a little above where we would expect them to be. So it'd be interesting it's to see like how that plays <laughs> out. <clears throat> um, be out for like what's on tap. Like we said, Baltimore and San Francisco at home uh, for the Cardinals. So acceptability is just win bowl series. Um, I, I think that. So really, I mean, the, the best would look at is to go four and two. If they sweep Baltimore and lose the series to the Giants, it's it's acceptable. Like you went four and two, like you won that that homestand, like that six game homestand. You you were above 500 for it. Um, but I think like maybe maybe it's worth calling out like. I don't know, like looking at it from a like how many series were they acceptable or like like on par with acceptability or above or below and look at it from like a series standpoint to really drive home because um, I feel like it would be a missed opportunity like if you sweep the ro- the Orioles you still want to take two out of three from the Giants at home yeah. You know, so it's like, yes, you went four and two, and that's what we deemed acceptable overall. But on the heels of sweeping Baltimore, you really had an opportunity to go five and one. So it's a missed yeah. opportunity almost to lose that series. It's the only way to really get in that like plus category of like uh, the difference between being like, you know, 10 games above 500, 15 games above 500, or being like five six games above right. 500 being that that 85 game winner to being a 95 game winner like uh sorry 85 yep. win team versus a 95 win team right, right. <clears throat> um yeah and then w- i've continued to keep up with the quality start count but again i think it's just it it's gonna get overrun i i don't think we did the we did the math or took into consideration how difficult it would be for Wayno to catch up if he fell behind, um, and what that and would actually mean. Now he's going to be on the COVID list. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be even right. Um, and we did say rough. like if he stayed healthy, hopefully maybe he only misses like one trip through the rotation. Um, and it seems like they were saying like he could pitch as early as Saturday. Um, and what I think he went on COVID IL, like coming out of the weekend series last week, right? Like he was basically out this whole week. Um, or this was whole it week? following the Kansas City series that he was out? Following, yeah, yeah. He played, he got his start in last week. And okay, then so the next day. That's right. That's right. So, it, and so, and he wouldn't have pitched against San Francisco. So tomorrow no. it would yeah. be his scheduled start. Um, so we'll see where it's at. So hopefully it's just like one trip through the rotation, um, which would be, you know, at this point. You know, you're yeah, he's at... he might be back Saturday at the earliest. Saturday he could come off if he clear if he has two negative tests. Gotcha. So it's still a minimum time frame that he has to be. Well, um, I thought it was like just off negative because um, what did CBS say on him? Um, oh my god, I don't want to look at my score. Forty-one points to six. Blech. Oh, dude, what does his team do? Carlos Rondon. Okay, I'm not here for that. Um, Wainwright, Wainwright, Wainwright. Ex- uh, this just has expected to be out until at least May 14th. 
Gotcha. Yeah, so I guess maybe they're expecting 10 days. But I, I don't know if that's, like, the minimum. You know, whereas, like, if you go on, like, the 10-day IL, you know, okay, 10 days before you can come back. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Nashville to score, take oh. the lead. Spoilers. Oh, let's go. Estrada just got some points. Let's go. Um, Nashville trying to avoid being the first team eliminated from the NHL playoffs. Dude, Tim Anderson, two errors again tonight, man. <sighs> so depressing. Oh, I can't even look at fantasy. Just makes me not want to do anything. Ugh. I'm going to have to, like, I don't know, bite the bullet for it too long. Yeah. Off what players I could possibly even <laughs> off. and then. Yeah, I might be right behind you. <laughs> like fuck it I'll just I might have to get mine in before anybody else yeah I'll just get more draft picks from next year that I can yeah. suck with yeah I guess to start maybe I'll put my guys on the block and see uh, what kind of wild ass trade requests I get there you go alright so the Cardinals um, almost acceptable playing in the you know they're playing in the ballpark of acceptability um, and the Yankees crushing the acceptability Breaking currently. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah. So the the only other noteworthy thing, or I guess the the two noteworthy things we talked about. Um, when I made this note, the White Sox were below 500, but they're not anymore. I think they won today, so they're not below 500 technically. But after these two against Toronto, they play 14 straight against the White Sox in Baltimore. So it could be an opportunity for the Yankees to kind of expand on their, their lead in the AL East. Um, the other thing, I don't know if you heard about this. Um, so I know you said you didn't pay attention or watch much. So the Yankees had the doubleheader with the Rangers yesterday. And it was uh, the first game. Uh, the first game, the Yankees won on a Glaber Torres walk-off home run. So Woodward, who is like the, I think he's the manager of the Rangers, was interviewed after the game, and he referred to Yankee Stadium as a little league park when that, saying, that. yeah, was saying like that that home run would be an out in 29 other MLB ballparks. So of course, because the internet will not let anything go, they immediately jumped all over this, and it's like I. I get that it's probably coming from a point of frustration, but I feel like it was so childish to say something like that. Um, and just like the, the proofs there, like I, I expect people to hold themselves to a higher standard of professionalism when they're at the level that they are. And maybe that's, you know, foolish on my end, but the best part about it. So Torres's home run would have been a home run in 26 of the 30 MLB parks. Um, I think one of them included was the Rangers ballpark, but the best part about it is the Rangers tied the game on a Cole Calhoun home run and the top of the seventh at one and Calhoun also hit his home run to right field and it traveled a shorter distance than Glaber Torres did. So to be mm -hmm. mad about Torres in a walk-off home run in a short porch, then be mad that you like oh, well, we got a bullshit run too, so we probably should have lost one to nothing 
because we didn't score in any other innings. And that would have just been a Cole Calhoun double and 29 other ballparks, according to your math. So it's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, no one cares about Cole Calhoun though, dude. Yeah. Like it, so that's just to me, like it, it was funny and the internet jumped all over it and just made good points. But I like, it's, I get it. You know, you just lost a walk off. You have a second game. You're trying, maybe you're trying to rally your troops. You're, <laughs> you're trying to chalk it up to something. Yeah. Your team played a, a well-played game. Um, but you know, they had, I can't even remember who started the game. Dane Dunning, I think started the first game of the doubleheader and battled pretty well with Cole. Um, I applaud Cole for, you know, wanting to go back out for the seventh inning after being at like 105 pitches through six innings. I applaud him, but uh, I think Boone needed to be a little stingier there to uh, pull the, pull the trigger, you know, give him the hook and just go to the bullpen as good as the bullpen has been this year. I've had numerous times where I felt that way about Ali this year already. Um, and he just keeps making the fucking decision. It seems like he's just allowing the pitcher to talk him into it. And be like, dude, if you want to pull a guy, pull a guy. You know, like yeah. you're a manager, you do that. Like, don't be you. There, like, there's a fine line of buddy, buddy, and like, hey, I'm, uh, it's my game. You know, like, I'm glad you're in it, but like, I call the shots. Yeah, like, and it's and it's weird because it's not even like they have a long leash. Like, it'll be like they'll give up a hit to the leadoff guy, and it'll be like a good at bat. Like the guy battles. It's not hard contact, maybe just like ground ball, hits it where they aren't, or a little, you know, duck snort, drops in in front of an outfielder. It's not not even like, oh, man, they, they barely just missed two home runs in that at bat. Um, and, then, and then they'll pull them real quick. And it's like, all right, well, what? Like, so what? Like, you're it's like, all right, I'll let you go back out there, but you got to be perfect. Like, if you're not out there caying, guys, I'm going to pull you. Like, if that's the case, then, like, let your reliever come in in a clean inning. Like, why yep. why did they have to come in and worry about a guy being on base if you were going to have such a short leash? Like, what? You know. Yeah, bullpen, it's, like, not – I mean, you have guys, like, that you consistently go to, you know. And it, it seems like you see, like, Palente a decent amount. Um, but, I mean, really, I mean, you see McFarland a lot, like – there's a you know, handful of guys that you're going to go to in a handful of different situations. And so it's not even like you don't trust them either. Like, it's not like, Oh, we just, this guy might come in and let it give up the hit too. It's like I, the better option at this point might be the bullpen. Like if you're starting to lean that way, then just go there. Cause they've, I don't, I don't, since we've talked about it, I think like the second episode so far this year or like a week or two ago i don't i haven't looked up like how many innings the cardinals bullpen um has been pitching but i mean it's the same outcome in games like wainwright's up and down michaelis has been pitching seven dakota hutchins been up and down where he's been pitching um like your mats has been pitching you know five six innings like it's not like you're getting anything extra or anything less out of guys so you know, like the bullpen things, I don't think have changed much. No. Um, so it's, you know, maybe, I mean, you're saving them because over this next 27 days, uh, I don't know, but, or you're trying to, maybe you're foreshadowing that, but I mean, these are major league pitchers too. Like you can't treat them like they're fragile individuals. Like it, every game is important. 
towards the end of the year. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like people, people say all the time, like you can't win a championship in April. Like, but that's true. But if yeah. say the Cardinals miss the playoffs by, by one game, there will be lose championship in April. Yeah, there there will be plenty of games that you're like, well, that one got away from us. That one got away from us. And you hope maybe you get them back. Um, you know, you hope maybe the Cardinals have a couple games this year that they put up three or four runs in the ninth to steal a win. Um, and then you're like, okay, like we, we netted even. Like if we lost the games that we probably should have lost and we won the games that we should have won, our record would be about the same and you can live with it. But right now, like say the that doesn't happen, like you could easily point to that one game against the Mets that they let get away from them. And like, that's a game you should have won. And if you won that game, you're at least in a tiebreaker for the playoffs. Like you're at least getting a game 163. Um, You know, the ball's in your court. So it's, I get it. Like, yes, you can't win a championship in April. No one's going to crown the Yankees anything because they have the best record in baseball through the first 30 games of the season. Like no one, no one will give a shit about that come the end of the year. It won't be talked about at all what anyone's record was on May 10th. No one will care. Um, the only way it'll matter is if like the Reds win the World Series. And then they'll talk about how they were 6-23 and to start the year. You know, <laughs> and they came back and, and won. Because that's all anyone talked about with the Nationals in 2019. <clears throat> so it, it just, it's hard to say that it doesn't matter. And I, it's weird to me that teams don't make decisions based on what they think gives the team the best opportunity to win. Like I can understand like Cortez today, what prob like you probably weren't anticipating him going more than six innings, but he had the no hitter going and he was pitching well enough. He did walk four guys. You know, he has, you know, he has eight walks over those 11 innings, you know, that we, um, we were talking about earlier. So it is quite a bit of, of, of walks and he pitched out of trouble in the sixth and seventh. And so when he gave up the hit, you're like, okay, cool. Like you did your job. We were trying to get you the, we were trying to get you the W we were going to let you chase history, but just wasn't cut out. Wasn't in the cards today. So let's go. Avalanche just tied it. Lame. Um, yeah, like, like I said, like even even the Cole situation, I can get behind it. He would he was at 105 pitches, started inning, he gave up the home run, and Boone immediately pulled him. But I have this weird suspicion that if Calhoun just hit a single, they also would have pulled him. Um, or like we talk about with Marmol, that it'll be like a just a kind of seeing eye single, and then he'll pull a guy, or you know it. Or it'll be like two outs in an inning even, and he'll walk a guy, and he'll pull him. And it's just like, so what What was the point of, you know, like, if you're not letting this guy go for one more out in this inning, like, that there was a hard cap that was <laughs> unexpected, why is that hard cap not, you know, why, why do you have such a hard time pulling them and starting in a reliever in a clean inning? Like, it yeah. just... Like, you were willing to let him go out there to get, you know, one more out if he could, and he gave up a hit, so you pulled him. So why not just I mean, let him go after this one more out when he just has, like, a literally, guy Literally, 
Hey man, all your pitchers are going to pitch uh, pretty much to contact at ground balls. And um, you have, you know, supposedly one of the best defenses in baseball. So you should be real worried when they get a guy on first base all the time. Like you should sometimes expect guys to be on first base. Like, you know, every once in a while you're going to be in the wrong defensive position. Someone's going to make the wrong move. But, you know, you're not going to make the mistakes too, too often. It's just not going to happen. So you'd be pitching to the double play, like play to your strengths. Like, hey, cool, got a guy on first base now. Easy, cool. That's why I kept Michaelis in here because you know what? We're going to pitch the bottom of the zone. We're going to attack it. And we're going to try to force a ground ball here and get out of this double play. But even at that, like, why are you making Mike? Why are you making him do that? Just bring in the bullpen because now, like, they've been seeing Michaelis the whole time, and you've been getting ground balls. Now, go ahead and bring in the flamethrowers, and you know, watch them catch up to it. Yeah, it's it's. it's yeah, it, it, you can talk yourself into it, but it's still just if you have this like, hey, I think we should pull you at six. If you're not convincingly doing it at six, then why make them go out there for seven? Don't make them do that. Yeah, it's. It just seems really inconsistent. Like, and and maybe it is that like it doesn't need to be consistent. Like, all right, like here, you know, this there is this playbook that we have to follow to the T. Like, it, we're gonna take it a game at a time, and I'm gonna apply the situation and see what I think is best. And maybe it's like who's due up or whatever the case may be. Like, or I'm gonna let you start because I plan to go to McFarland and he's a lefty and they have a righty leading off, but then they have three lefties in a row. So rather than have McFarland face this guy, I'm going to have my right-handed starter come in and, and face this guy. And, like, that's all good and well, but then there'll be situations where, like, they'll face that guy and they get him out and they keep him in there and then they give up, like, the double and then they pull him. And it's like, well, what what was the point of this aspect? Like, what what was your game plan in these scenarios that I was like, all right, well, I'm only just going to, like, I'm completely okay with my relievers coming in with inherited runners. So I'm going to, like, I'm going to give my starter every opportunity to pitch a clean inning. And as soon as he doesn't, I'm going to pull him. It doesn't matter if it's with two outs. doesn't matter if it's with no outs. It's just like going into this inning, this is your clean inning or bust. If you don't have a clean inning, I'm pulling you as soon as it isn't clean anymore. And like, and that's like what it seems like the vibe is. And it's so weird. And it's not just the Yankees. It's not just the Cardinals. It, I see it in games all the time. Like even the, the teams that uh, other teams are playing. Like uh, when we went to the Royals Yankees game, they let, they let that first reliever pitch into a bases loaded jam by walking guys. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, well, you had Barlow up ready to go and you're willing to go to him with the bases loaded, like what were you hoping this guy was going to do? Like, were you like, all right, well maybe you'll get out of this, but like then just give him an opportunity to get out of it. Like why, why are you bringing this other guy into a situation that you're basically setting him up for failure and a one run game? Yeah. You know, like that, that doesn't, that's not how you exude success. Like, I, I don't know. I, they're the managers of a major league club, but I've never managed any, team and i love yep, so little yeah so what do i know but it just seems weird i get it seems like an inconsistency that doesn't like that just doesn't add up to me but again what do i know um yeah you're on a non-syndicated podcast dude <laughs> yeah Jeez. uh dude we want to 
do power rankings first or do you want to do heroes and zeros first uh we can just knock out heroes and zeros first all right um you want to go first or you want me to go um yeah but i'm gonna let you cover since we're gonna get to the same spot in the yankees and i didn't know i was gonna get there <laughs> uh, i'm just gonna let you cover that okay uh, and then yeah i'll so i'll do the cardinals um so the cardinals um wasn't i don't feel like too too many guys i feel like there was uh some clear-cut options um at the heroes and a very clear-cut option at the zeros um so we'll start with the negative paul DeYoung is gonna sit on the throne of zero yet again um the second time just, in four weeks baby yeah the guy just um yeah, is not as uh, not figuring out anytime soon, and it doesn't help that he currently is going to be put in a position where he has to play every day um, because they don't have another guy that can play shortstop. And they yeah, where is Sosa hurt? Weird. Is he on like COVID yeah. IL or something too? Yeah, I don't know if he's on COVID IL, but he's on the IL. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so he is hitting. I see. This is where. Uh, um, Last seven on MLB is going to be uh, wrong, but we're in the same ballpark. I had his average at 105. You had his average at .91. Either way, he had two hits um, in his last, you know, seven days or whatever. Um, you put no extra baits hits. Um, I made a big point out that he's only walked once. He struck out five times, a little less time striking out than probably uh, maybe the last time he was at zero. But it's just... It's just bad. It's just all bad. There's nothing good about it. And um, and I, I've been a part of a couple conversations like on Reddit where they're just like, you know, it's not really him. It's the rest of the team's not hitting as well. I'm like, and that's, you know, I mean, obvious point that, you know, some other guys on the team are not hitting as well. But no excuses for Paul DeYoung here. Like, None. There's not an excuse. He's not hitting well. It doesn't matter that everyone else, or there's a couple other guys that also are not hitting well. Like the masking of this. Well, he just plays good defense, so like you don't really need him to hit. Like, oh no. Like how many guys can play good defense and not hit? Like, can you just say that for any guy? Because like you say that about Yachty. We've said that about Yachty for a handful of years. Regardless, he's hit good for a couple of those years. But I mean, that was the saying. Um, Bader. I know you're saying it about Bader. You're like, whoa, gold glove, gold glove. Like, who cares if he hits or not? Hit 220. Who gives a fuck? But that, like, but that's the whole thing. Is that like so? So Bader has other dynamics of his game that make it that make it acceptable for his batting average to be lower. A, he's hitting 240, which is not 130, which is what Paul DeYoung is batting. So correct. on the year, Bader has is hitting 109 better than. Young almost doubles batting average, but on the other side, he strikes out less, he walks more, he has four more stolen bases than DeYoung does, and his defense is just as good, if not better. You know, probably better. He's probably a better defensive center fielder than yeah. DeYoung is as a shortstop. And it's not that DeYoung is terrible from a shortstop perspective. Um, he just isn't. To me, I think any guy would plug in and play the same shortstop that he yeah, plays. Yeah, but he he has four errors on the year, so it's not like he's amazing. Yeah, you know, like, yes, he committed eight last year, 
but he's already at four this year. You know, like he also committed four in 2020 when it was just 45 games. You know, so he doesn't make a ton of errors. Um, but that's what I'm trying to see, like, Um, I'm looking at like baseball reference. So defensive rubs run saved above average per 1200 innings. So this, the number of runs above or below average, the fielder was worth per 1200 innings, approximately 135 games. Um, so right now he is at 30 defensive runs saved, which is the highest he's ever been in his career. <laughs> so it, it seems like it, but I would argue that this is probably the best defense he's had around him that he literally has yeah. three other goal glovers on the infield. Yeah. 100%. I'm totally, I, Two I don't, that won the goal I, glove I last the year. Yeah. Sandwich him. I yeah. I don't, I don't buy the defense part of it. Um, partly because I mean, we've talked about it. No, he doesn't have to stretch as far to third base because Nolan Arenado is like a fucking vacuum over there at most times. And Tommy Edmund is like one of the most legit second basemen there are. He gets to fucking everything as well. So, and I mean, the Cardinals shift guys as well. And, you know, they play all by those. So like, of course he's going to look good in situations. And the only excuse for Paul DeYoung to not hit for high average is that if he's hitting home runs, doubles or triples. And he's, you know, seemingly... But he's not doing any of that. So unless he hits 20 home runs, 25 home runs, I think is what we put him at at the beginning of the year, 20, 25 home runs for two years in a row now. That's literally his only qualification to be good in this lineup was to hit 20 to 25 home runs. And he hasn't, he can't do that. Yeah, and I, so, I looked at it for reference for Edmondo Sosa at shortstop. His defensive run save this year is 28. So yeah, yeah same. So. same same ballpark as um now granted it's it's across five games to like 24 from de young um and again so so also not swinging the bat well yeah has a has a huge chance to play and he can't get it together either right um but like you said like he you know you're you're wanting him to hit you know 20 to 25 home runs so if you figure you know, DeYoung has played over 120 games once in his career. Um, so let's see. So it'd be like a home run every six games, roughly. If you played 120, would get you to 20 on the year. So he should be at four. He's currently at one. Um, but again, like he only has three doubles, no triples. But so granted, 40% of his hits have gone for extra bases. But it's such a high percentage because he only has 10 hits on the year. Like yeah. it's not. Yeah. There's not a good argument to me. Yeah, about like there's, not, there's, a good, there's a couple ways you could spin his story, but there's not any shining light. So Paul DeYoung. Go laugh yourself. If Steve Cohen was our uh, owner, you'd be gone, but he's not. So we're stuck with you. So, yeah. And he's only going <sighs> to get, he's only getting more money. 
He's only getting richer with each year those contract vests. Um, mm. And again, and it's and it's not like this is some outlier. I mean, he didn't hit for power at all in 2020. He only had three home runs, and he hit 250. Um, last year he had the 19 home runs and 113 games, so he was you know right where we kind of expect him to be. But he only bat it can only hit 197. Um, so we batted under 200 all of last year, and he's hitting 130. And on top of it, like his on base percentage is way down. Like he's typically been like in the 300s. Last year it was 284. This year it's 209. So he's not walking. His strikeout rate is way up. Like he only struck out 103 times last year. Like he's struck out 25 times already this year in 24 games. So he strikes out <laughs> once per game. So he's going to be it. Like if he keeps that up, that's like 60 more, you know, well, he probably won't play 162 games, but you know, he'll, so he'll be at like 120 strikeouts in 120 games. That's like almost more than he's ever, he's ever done in his career. Um, yeah. And they seemingly just have no plan for it. Like, yeah. It, he's it's, not, it's really, he hasn't even shown a sign of he could come out of this. Yeah, I have no idea no how he's continuing to, to bat in the lineup. Yeah, no, that's crazy. All right, enough talking about Paul DeYoung, because I'm sure next week we'll be talking about his sad sorry ass again. <laughs> um, Proud uh, So <laughs> we could have went two ways. I think your hero might have been a little bit more deserving, but I went with Dylan Carlson for the mere fact that I think he needed a week like he had last week. At least, I mean, on paper it looks good. I was his best week ever. Probably not, but hit 412, a couple doubles, home run, four runs, four RBIs. I didn't look at where he was sitting in the lineup, but he's just been like not hitting. Like, Matt Grape, from at least the first week or so, he's been, I thought he was hitting like sub 200. So I thought it was kind of good for him to get kind of going again, um, especially because I, I feel like we kind of, he is a guy that like is not going to be allowed to hit, you know, not for average. Um, he needs to be driving in runs. He needs to be on the base path. Like, you know, the Cardinals have touted him a lot as it, and not saying he needs to be the superstar of the team. Um, but he's definitely more so than Paul DeYoung has shown signs like that. He can really play in the major leagues. Um, so I just thought it was good for him. Um, and I'll let you go in your, uh, Zero. Yeah, I, I I will say to your point, I don't disagree with the Carlson pick. It was one that like I teetered back and forth with. Um, and I think that like when I get into mine, I'll explain why I kind of gave him the nod. Um, but just to, to kind of shine light to what you're talking about. So if we look at Carlson over the course of the last seven games, um, like I said, hitting like 412. Um, seven hits, three extra base hits. Um, stolen bases aren't really where they wanted to be, but he also had like the pinch hit um, RBI to put the Cardinals in the lead in the second game that they won against San Francisco. So just taking cashing in on some situations that he really wasn't beforehand. So in the in the games leading up to that, so from opening day through May first before the Kansas city series. So last Sunday he was, so 20 games, he had uh, no home runs, 
um, four extra base hits on the year. He was hitting 175. Yeah. So just not really putting together, struggling. They tried him at the top of the lineup. They tried moving him down the lineup. He just hasn't really been able to get it going, but it seemed like this week he sort of came out of that. Um, he did, ha- like I said, he, he did have a couple doubles in San Francisco. It is a relatively big ballpark, so it I think it plays to that a little bit. So, so maybe that had something to do with it. But he had a hit in all four games against San Francisco. Granted, they're not playing the best baseball right now. Um, but it it's a positive. It is a step in the right direction, something that he can build on. So for me, though, I went with the new call-up, who he's played in all five games since he got called up, um, and Juan Yepes. So in that, like in the five games, he went nine for 19. It's a 474 average, four extra base hits, hit his first career home run, three RBIs, um, four runs scored. He's played one game in right field to give Carlson a day off. He played one game in left to give O'Neill a game off. But he, more importantly, in my opinion, and where I kind of gave him the nod, is that he filled in for three games for the DH role. And did he still bat in the classic DH order in the position? Uh, he in did. the lineup? He did. Or did I, he get moved around? No, nice, he, he did. He, he still, oh. still hit in that uh, in that DH slot. I'm five. double checking just to make sure I'm not lying to you. But, yeah, I feel like that's Quick where it hole. was. Um, I know it was the last five games. It was the last game against Kansas City and then the uh, the four games against San Francisco. And so some of this could be, again, like, you know, two sides of the same coin. The Cardinals offense just clicked a little bit more and did a little bit more damage. Um, you know, they scored 10 runs in the first game or in that first game that he played in against Kansas City. But he played right field um, given. Uh, sorry. And he yeah played right field, gave Carlson the day off, but he batted fifth behind Pujols and in front of O'Neill went two for three with a run scored. Um, then in San Francisco, they had him batting fifth um, at behind O'Neill in front of Bader um, playing DH, then playing DH again um, behind O'Neill in front of Dickerson, who was in right field, giving Carlson another day off. Um, then he batted fifth behind O'Neill and in front of Carlson and then batted fifth behind Pujolson in front of Carlson. So all five games, he had a different line combination, if you consider the person in front of him and the person behind him, but he hit fifth in all in all five games. Nice. Um, but leading up to that, so if you look at the other two players that typically DH and Albert Pujols and Dylan Carlson, or uh, Corey Dickerson and Albert Pujols, so over the last seven days, so this is a little a little skewed. It may not account for everything. Pujols was 0 for 7, um, and Dickerson was 1 for 6. So a combined 1 for 13 in that stretch. And then you had Yepes come in and filled in for the DH and gave much-needed production. So that's why I said it could be two sides of the same coin. Maybe Yepes had that production because the rest of the team was hitting. Um they had 12 hits in the first game against San Francisco, scored seven runs. They had six hits when they scored their three runs 
Um, but Yepes was one of those six. Uh, they had 14 hits in the game that they lost 13-7. to And then they had six hits in the series finale, two of those being Yepes, one being the, the home run to put them ahead early. Um, so I, so in my opinion, like what made him the hero was just filling in for a spot that has been the Achilles heel for the Cardinals lineup. Um, so yes, it's been really bad over the last seven days, but even on the year, uh, Dickerson's batting 184, nine for 49, um, no home runs. And then Pujols has two home runs. His batting average is down to 220. Um, neither one of them strike out that much. But... They just need to announce that Pujols is coming back again. Does that re-energize it? Like, <laughs> hey, Pujols is back. Like, every day, just announce that shit. Yeah, and, and then there's... And they're, again, like, yes, we, we picked apart DeYoung. He is not the only person underperforming. Um, O'Neal hitting 206 isn't acceptable, in my opinion. Um, Definitely you know. not. And he had a higher strikeout rate. Well, he had... He had I think he struck out more times, but he also walked a handful of more times. So I was like, well, that's just going to be where my deciding factor is this week, bro. Like, sorry. Yeah. Um, it, I, I don't know. Like Kisner has cooled off immensely. Like his batting average has plummeted to two Oh nine. I feel like he was batting like in the three hundreds for a while, like doing a good job yeah, filling yeah. in for Molina. Molina's still only hitting two thirty. Um, which is which is fine, you know, six and one half dozen of another. I don't know that you expect it to be much higher, but he he's not like he's not walking. He has the one home run. He has one double. Um, but Molina hasn't walked all year, so I I don't know that that's normal. I feel like he's relatively patient at the plate. He's a catcher and he has a good eye for that, so he should seemingly have a good feel for the strike zone. He hasn't struck out a bunch. Like he only has eight strikeouts and 61 at bats. Um, but yeah, like there, there are definitely people up and down the lineup. Um, I said Carlson has started to turn around, but he's still batting 220 on the year. You want that to be higher. You probably want that to be more in like the 280s. Um, but so, so it's really Yep is in his five games has been phenomenal. And then Arenado, Goldschmidt, Edmund. That's really been it offensively for the Cardinals. You know, Donovan hasn't done anything at the plate. Newt Barr didn't do anything at the plate when he was up. Sosa didn't do anything at the plate when he's filled in. Dickerson's been terrible. DeYoung's been atrocious. O'Neal hasn't been good. <laughs> like it, it's so there are definitely a lot of a lot of holes that can be plugged. Um but that, so that's why I went with Yepes, is that it was just, I felt like yeah. it was that injection that they needed. Uh, Carlson needed that, needed a week like that, personally. Yepes gave the Cardinals something that I felt that they needed. Um, I and it's totally finally someone agree with getting, that. getting a chance and taking advantage of it, because no one else has. Yeah, I totally agree with that, and I think the outcome that really should play out of this is that they should also just you know, do whatever with DeYoung, whatever you got to fucking have to do with him. And then um, for the time being, slide Edmund over and play Gorman at second, just so you have a better hitting lineup. 
because you're losing games that you shouldn't lose or that you're in because you're not hitting good enough. So I feel like at some point in time, you have to prove that out. And with Yepa's doing so well, and Gorman also, I guess we haven't looked at it in a week or so, but was tearing the you know leather off the ball. I think it should play out like that. Unfortunately for Yepa's, like I feel like it was a very good week for him, and the Cardinals will send him back down here in like you know the coming days, and it'll be like, well, but why? Like he was one of your better hitting players, and we just won't get a good answer from that. So. To be determined how that plays out, but... Yeah, um. it's definitely weird. So, Gorman's biggest hurdle right now is not being on the 40-man roster. So, if you you put Gorman onto the 40-man roster, you have to move a player off, in which case they have to clear waivers. Um, So, it's... I don't know who you would choose. Um, Like, from an infielder's perspective... I think the the obvious sell would be if it's later in the year and they want to bring Gorman up, it would be Pujols if he continues to struggle at the rate that he is. Um, I don't think there's any chance in how they do that. I think they've just yeah, accepted that they're in it for the long haul. <laughs> that's um, not but it, because Gorman's an infielder, it makes the most sense that that's who you would pull a player off of, in which case it would be you know, probably between Brennan Donovan, Sosa, and Juan Yepes. And I feel like losing any of the three of those hurt. Um, because Sosa's really your only true depth to the shortstop position right now. Um, yeah, well, and yeah. you, you got to see what you got you what happens. You get Paul DeYoung for seven days. Yeah. And then from an outfielder perspective, I would say like Dickerson or Newt Bar would be your options. Um, Newt Bar's already uh, sent down, right? Well, so so there's a difference between sending down. So you can move them from oh, the majors to the man. minors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, majors to the minors, and they just have to utilize an option. If you get three options in your career, if you have an option and they use it, it just lasts for the entirety of the season. So they probably sent Newt Bar down used an option here for him so they can call him up and send him down between the majors and minors without a problem. But it's when you remove him off the 40 man roster, that's when a player gets like DFA'd. And so it's like, all right, we're, we're moving you off the 40 man roster. You know, people can do what they need to, um, but he's got to clear waivers or so any team could pick him up. I don't know that losing Newt bar is the end of the world. Um, you have Bader and Carlson and O'Neill that you expect to be your starting three on a fairly regular basis. You have Dickerson as a DH for this year, and Yepes has already been utilized in both corner outfield positions, and he did fine. So you've already shown that Yepes can just be your, you know, your like fifth outfielder on your 40 man roster. Um, and then to clear a spot for him, my guess would be like, um, let me see. I'm not certain who all is up at the moment. Um, so I probably Donovan would be the guy that you would clear. Like you would send him down to Memphis to be the guy you clear a roster spot for, for Gorman to come up. So it's, it's doable, but like I said, it's, you're you're probably losing a player to bring him up 
at this point of the season. Um, unless someone gets hurt long-term and they go on the 60-day IL, then they don't take up a 40-man roster spot. So then you have an opening that you can bring a guy in. Um, but I'm trying to bring up their the stats now. Um, individual stats. Let's see what he's doing. So it's been a minute since I looked as well. And just in case you're wondering, the Avalanche won. Mm. So they have eliminated eh. Nashville. And that's who the Blues will play in the next round if they advance. Um, so 26 games, 101 at-bats, uh, 31 hits. So he's hitting 307, 12 home runs, 18 RBIs, 23 runs scored. Um, oh, you were just looking up. I had that up. Damn, I can tell you that, my man. Oh, yeah, yeah, Gorman. Um, yeah. Again, the the big scary thing that would probably cause hesitation, 38 strikeouts. Um, so 109 plate appearances, striking out and roughly like what call like 35 to 40% of his plate appearances at triple a. Um, so that's some concern, but again, if he's hitting 300 and on pace for, you know, 30, 40 home runs, you can live with those strikeouts. Yep. You know, like that, yep. that's not, and you know, we got Jeff Albert up here, so they'll teach him how to not strike out. Yeah. Like it'll be, Yeah, so so I don't know how long they keep him there. My my guess is that it's probably the entirety of the season. <laughs> um, I don't know that Gorman gets called up at all this year unless someone gets hurt. But uh, yeah, I guess only only time will tell. Um, right. and I'll let you do Yankees heroes and zeros. Yeah. So we all in the same <laughs> yeah. So this, so the reason why Chris is just deferring to me is we had a conversation before we started recording about this and he was struggling to make a decision. And so he looked at mine and he was like, oh, okay, the, all right, you got it. Let's just go with that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me, it was same boat. Like when I looked, it was very hard to make a decision for like one guy that was deserving of being the hero or one guy deserving of being the zero um, for different reasons. It was very hard to choose a hero because the entire pitching staff pitched extremely well. Um, so I did. I looked at like over the last seven days, but basically this is their last six games. So the series against Toronto and then the three games against Texas. So this includes today's game. So in those six games, the Yankees have allowed more than two runs only once. That was the four runs that Texas scored in the second game of the doubleheader yesterday. Um, they've allowed 10 runs total in that six games over 53 innings pitched. They had 57 strikeouts. They only walked 12 guys. Eight of those 12 walks were Nestor Cortez and his two starts. They allowed only one home run in those 53 innings pitched. <clears throat> and that was Michael King in the four-run game against Texas. And three of those runs came in one inning. Um, or, no, so I guess that would have been Cole. I guess 
I guess Kings didn't give up a home run. I thought he did. So maybe that's wrong. Maybe it was two home runs, and that stat lied to me. Um, but four of the six games, the starters went six innings or more. So extended starts from the starters, solid in, solid pitching from the bullpen, all around strong performance, allowing 10 runs over six games. That's phenomenal. Less than two runs a game. Very, very tough um, to score runs off the Yankees this last week. And were you high on the starting pitching coming into the season? I know last year we were like sore subject. <clears throat> so I feel like they didn't change I... much. But it wasn't like sore, sore subject. So they didn't change a whole lot. Um, so basically the differences with last year is you still have Cole. Um, Jameson Tyon started to figure it out probably the second half of last year. He became far more productive, but he was coming off of injury. So I felt like I was going to be more comfortable with him where, you know, that he would be better this year out of the gate. Um, Jordan Montgomery has been himself, has been good. Um, Nestor Cortez kind of came onto the scene last year out of necessity with injuries and he just has not looked back since he's been very solid. So I was okay with that. And then the big question mark was going to be Severino and his capability of staying healthy. Also coming off of an extended injury recovering from Tommy John. So I don't want to say I was high on it, but it was like Garrett Cole is your ace. And then four guys that really were like to be, 3A type pitchers. You didn't really have a true number two, but you don't really have guys that are back end of the rotation type pitchers. So they're very deep, but they're, it's going to be very hard. Like, so for a regular season, I think the rotation is great for a playoff series. I think the regular, I think the starting rotation is very questionable. Um, I think it will, like as as you as it's shown at times, like Montgomery has the capability of getting blown up, Severino has the capability of getting blown up, Tyon has the capability of getting blown up, Cole has the capability of getting blown up. So it's it's very questionable because Cole has not looked like the ace that they paid him to be, um, and it's probably my fault because I drafted him. So I'm yep. sure he'll be back to normal next year, or if I can trade him this year. I'm sure he'll be good. Um, but I think I just, I curse pitching in general because Woodruff looks like crap this year. Bieber looks like crap this year. Like just everyone I drafted, not good. So Cardinals <laughs> fans, I'm sorry. I drafted Jack Flaherty. Deal with it. He's injured. <laughs> yeah, deal with it. He probably just going to stay injured all year. Don't expect Jack to ever come back. Um, so yeah, so I, I felt better about it this year than last year, but I still think it is, I still feel there was opportunity for the Yankees to improve their team, and they opted to not do that. Like, they could have made their rotation better, and they failed to do so, in my opinion. Um, but I wanted them to be all in on a guy like Robbie Ray. Like that, that's the type of piece that I wanted them to add was another ace to take a lot of the pressure off of Cole. You know, uh, cause I, I think that that's been his biggest downfalls. Like he feels like he has to be perfect every time out and that's really not the case. Um, 
yeah, like if they for for what guys like for what they spent money on, like for what the guys signed for, it's baffling to me. Like Robbie Ray and like Kevin Gossman, like weren't there was never rumor about these guys coming to the Yankees. Um, even like Grinky, that like there's wasn't you know, if you brought in like Ray and Grinky and Grinky was your number three, like that that would be very successful in my opinion. Um, especially because Cole, Ray, and Granky have such different approaches to pitching, it would be very difficult facing those three in three consecutive nights. And I think that Verlander, Granky, and Cole—that's why they were so dangerous—is because Verlander threw very hard, Granky had that more Maddox-esque approach, and then Cole threw very hard. Um, so you were you were getting a, a different look. Um, it's like why I think Wayno was so good off of Chris Carpenter because Carpenter was a, you know, more of a power pitcher, just gonna come after you, and Wayno had more of the big breaking ball, you know, kind of dissecting. Never like he he could dial it up, but he never really did, you know. Like, <clears throat> so I would have liked to have seen him do that, but it definitely wasn't as sore of a subject. Um, so hearing that stat line. You're like, man, that seems like a downfall that the Yankees only went four and two in those six games. That's phenomenal pitching line, which brings me to the zero, which is the entirety of the Yankees' offense. <laughs> so, yeah. um, hole for hole, hole yeah. for hole. So hero, Yankee yeah. pitching staff, zero Yankee offense. So in those same six games, they were held to two runs or less, and four of them, they scored 18 runs total in those six games. Nine of those came in one game that started due to a missed call. Talked about that earlier with the missed call on Marvin Gonzalez. Um, Donaldson was the only position player that hit over 250 in those six games. Um, Marlon, Marwin Gonzalez and Higashioka, or Asiago, as he has come to be affectionately called, uh, both hit 250, but they also had like the fewest at-bats of any position player on the week. I think... I think Higashioka went like one for four and I think Gonzalez went like two for eight. <laughs> and so they both hit 250. But other than that, everyone else hit below 250 and a lot of them hit below 200. So the silver lining, in my opinion, is that the Yankees went four two because without those pitching performances, they easily could have went 0 and six. You know, if you don't have the, the missed call, the Yankees probably only scored two or three runs in that game against Toronto because that air really just opened up the game. Um, and that was one of the two games that they didn't get held to two runs or less. So you're looking at like they scored uh, the other game that they scored more than two runs, they scored three runs. So offense was not very good. Um, it probably should have looked more like held the two runs or less in five of the six games, and they had 11 runs total in that stretch. And then they still would have went four and two with that. They would have won that game two to one. <laughs> but that's like probably what the offensive line should have looked like. Very bad for a six-game stretch. But to win both series, that's why the pitching staff as a whole just 
got it done. No, Paul DeYoung's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair. Um, so what we got left? Just, just uh, heroes and zeros. I mean, my fantasy team was a pretty big zero. We're just gonna start there. Yeah, my mine also didn't yeah. really do much. They they couldn't yeah. get much of the the job done. Um, but I think the only thing we didn't really cover, I mean, I guess oh, power rankings. the power rankings are it. Um, and I think that they were kind of to be expected, uh, based on where things came in. Um, let me, I gotta bring up the MLB ones again. So I don't have them open in front of me. Um, so this is the one that they only do a synopsis on like the top five. Um, and oddly enough, I feel like, I felt like last year, CBS and MLB were like vastly different, um, yeah. with where our teams were being ranked. And this year it really hasn't been that way. Um, so the Cardinals, even though they played at what I would deem an acceptable level, I think people looked at what it did. Um, so they were, they were ranked, uh, 10th and both MLB and CBS Sports last week. Uh, they dropped two spots in MLB to 12th. They dropped one spot, CBS Sports, to 11th. Um, the little synopsis on CBS was really just about Yepes. So through just five career games, Juan Yepes is hitting 474, 500, is the slash line with three doubles and a home run in 19 at-bats. Quite a start. Um, worth noting, the Giants are number 12, and it's their little synopsis. They dropped six spots. They were like one of the biggest drops on the week. Uh, so before salvaging the final two games of the series against the Cardinals Saturday and Sunday, the Giants had lost seven of their previous eight. Uh, did these two games restore their mojo? We'll find out soon enough. They don't play a sub-500 team again until May 27th. So, like I said, everyone was kind of beating up on them. Um, the Yankees, they were third on both rankings, and they moved up one spot on both to number two. Um the synopsis on CBS was just very simple. Yes, I considered them for the top spot. There's no wrong answer. Um, the top spot did go to the Dodgers. Uh, so it's the Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, Angels are one through four. So both LA teams and both New York teams. Hanging in there. Um, but because we've been keeping up with the Reds all year, um, Let's let's see what the what the bottom ranks. Usually they have some some fun stuff in here. Um, so the Reds bringing up the rear thirtieth. Uh, the Reds won two of three from the Pirates over the weekend, and they are still on pace to go twenty nine and one thirty three. Um, the A's are twenty ninth. They dropped eight spots. Um, their synopsis that's nine losses in a row. The twenty twenty two version of Rachel Phelps is quite pleased, I'm sure. I don't understand that. I don't know who Rachel Phelps is, but... Um, Cubs are 28th. They've lost 14 of 17 and have looked every bit that bad. 
Um, <laughs> here we go. See, these are the gems that I read these for. <laughs> so the Royals, 27th. You know how ugly it is down here? The Royals are on pace to lose 104 games, and there are six teams with a worse winning percentage. They moved up one spot. <laughs> like that. Um, so, uh, and, and so this is what we're talking about with the Pirates. That like the Pirates team that the the Cardinals get in a week's time could look completely different than what they do right now. This kind of speaks to that. So they're they dropped one spot to 25th. Um, I know sometimes I punish teams for losing certain series. I'm also where the Pirates just dropped a series to a team that was 3-22 and before it started, but the Pirates are a bad team. It's expected bad behavior, and there are a handful of teams worth more ire. So I, I would say that we're probably giving too much credit in, to what they've done record-wise, and that's a team that the, the Cardinals should likely sweep. Um, and then the Orioles, since that's who they're getting ready to play, they're kind of going the opposite direction. They moved up four spots to 22nd. Um, and it says, here's where the current Orioles front office has set the bar. I found myself looking at the club's recent body of work and thinking stuff like, you know, they aren't that bad. They've won five of their last eight. That's got, um, that's gotten them all the way to 11 and 17. (laughs) It's a low bar. Maybe that's the goal. I don't know. It's only year four of a massive teardown that was already happening. They went 47 and 115 the season before hiring Mike Elias. Or Elias. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. So they're playing good baseball right now. Um, I don't know who they won those five out of eight against. But so the Cardinals just win the series against Baltimore. I can understand sweeping Pittsburgh might be a different suit might be a different story, especially if they continue to, you know, where they just lost the series to the shitty reds. So maybe, maybe there can be an argument to be had for that. Um, on the MLB side, it's also Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, but they have the Brewers in fourth, um, followed by the Rays. They have the angels all the way down in eighth. Uh, but the bottom is pretty much the same reds, A's, Royals, Orioles, Pirates, Nationals. So, seems like some things kind of come into a normal spot for the Cardinals. I think that this this would have been probably where we would have placed them. You know, in a power rankings like preseason, they were playing pretty well, but I think they're beating up on teams that they should. You know, all that hoopla that we've talked about before. But I think them being somewhere like between like 10 and 15 is probably where they should live most of the season would be my expectation. And then the Yankees, I I would say they're a top 10 team. That's a very wide margin. Um, I probably would have more expected them to be like 5 to 10 versus 1 to 5. But... I'll, I'll live with them sticking up where they're at if they can keep this going, but if their offense keeps performing the way that it is, I don't think there's any way they keep winning series. You know what I mean, Vern? Yep. It's dangerous. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I think that's all that we had. Um, on tap for this week, 
I guess we might have we might be attending a couple games this weekend. Uh, in early get the park. I don't think we're going together, but yep. I think you're gonna try to make the Saturday game, and I'm gonna try to yeah, make the Sunday game. Yeah, I gotta figure that out because Kelly uh, has plans with my mom and her mom, so on Saturday. So another thing to figure out. I gotta figure out the disc golf thing. So I got a handful of weekends to figure out here. Yep, yep. Um, we're definitely going on the 23rd, though. Yeah, definitely. Definitely going on the 23rd, and I think we're definitely in for the 30th. Yeah, I'm definitely should. Uh, I'll be out of town the weekend before the 30th, but I'll be home before Monday. I'll be home on Sunday, so Monday I'll be gravy. Yeah. I even went to go take the day off and work day today, and that's when I realized. Um, yeah, and then I... It was Memorial Day, so... Yeah, I may... I may or may not try to hit up some games during the week of the 23rd. Cause I'm all, I took vacation that whole week. So I may just head to the stadium, pop in, catch yeah. a game. I think they have a day game during that stretch. So yeah, they've been playing a gang of day games yeah. through the middle of the week. So yeah. So we'll, we'll speak more to it. Um, but if you're going to be at the stadium this weekend, hit us up on the Twitters or the emails or try to come find us at, uh, Budweiser yep. Terrace. We'll, we'll yeah, eventually, the Inner League Lounge. Yeah, the Inner League Lounge. Yeah, we'll eventually have some swag to wear so we can rep some uh, Inner League apparel. Yep. One day. Yeah, no new maybe. updates on the website yet. No new updates yeah. on the website. Oh, I, so I'm a shitty person because I completely forgot that we did that. I mean, no good news on the website yet. Yeah. So um, I suck. Um, yeah, maybe if if there's if there's some stuff worth looking at, I know you talked to me about it, but we'll have a conversation maybe on my week of vacation. I can dedicate some time towards poking around on getting some of that stuff set up or whatever. Yeah. Or start to like outline some ideas or some sections because I know we talked about like blogging, you know, whatnot, like actually doing some some like written journalism type stuff. So yeah, cool, cool. Um. Yeah, so, hey, sub two hours. Go us. Hey. Oh, that sometimes hey. we don't talk forever and ever. It was because of our unique um, our unique style at the beginning, talking about both teams at the same time. Yeah, it was productive. It was efficiency at its yeah. finest. Um, but, yeah, so I think we'll – I guess the only thing that's all known is I'm going to have a tiebreaker race at some point. I don't know if that will be this week or possibly the beginning of next. Um, so that may interfere with recording on Monday. But other than that, I think we should be good to go for Monday. Next week. Right? Uh, next week, Monday? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah and I, I, know, I know two weeks. Two weeks from now, we'll probably have a Tuesday podcast because Monday we'll be at the game. Um, uh, or, well, I guess the other thing, too, would be, well, now that we know it's Colorado – so the Blues won't have home games for game one or two. But if the Blues play Monday night, there's a possibility that we push the recording Tuesday as podcasts. well. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week for sure. Who knows what day. We like to keep you guys yep. guessing. Closing in on episode 100. Yes, yep. All right. Well, 
as always, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, stay cool. Peace. Bye.